Thank you for tuning in to The Arts in Business, a podcast that explores how artistic sensibilities can positively impact the business world. Many aspects of our daily existence are impacted by small and big businesses, and conversations around sustainability and customer-centered engagements have become more prevalent in the past years. Artists engage with existential questions of our human existence and can challenge many of our common business practices. How can an artistic lens or the sensibilities that an artist uses in their daily practice improve the way businesses are run and how they communicate? Through interviews with entrepreneurs, artists and professionals, the show investigates how our communities can be transformed by actively engaging an artistic lens in our professional settings. I am Sebastian Grube an artist, entrepreneur, and communications professional who aims to build a more compassionate world through amplifying voices. I am also the founder of Beyond Comms, a communications agency that unearths and amplifies the stories that inspire founders to build sustainable and impactful businesses. So let's dive in. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of The Arts in Business. I'm really excited to be talking to uh, Brian Patrick Murphy today. And um, Brian is an advisor, consultant, founder, educator, coach, and mentor to thousands of artists and entrepreneurs over the last decade. Uh, I met Brian through participating in the Zuckerberg Institute's hashtag first class, of which he is a co-founder. Brian also taught at colleges. He co-founded Mark Fisher Fitness in New York City. He founded Congreg Congregation Coaching, which helps artists move into the business world. And uh, he joined Randy Zuckerberg at Zuckerberg Media and works there as a creator success manager at AssembleStream. I'd love to hear more about what that means later on in the podcast. And I personally went through Hashtag First Class, which was co-taught by Brian in 2018. And the program has really had a lasting impact on how I live my life, generally speaking. He's also a wonderful father and husband to his family and his optimistic energy, passion and discipline are just positively contagious. So I'm really, really excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me and welcome. Oh, Sebastian, it was a real honor to get your message uh, to, to be on your podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I have so many compliments to give you and and listening to all those things that you said of my bio and great preparation, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it, it was super exciting to hear you say all those things because you're somebody that I look up to, even though I'm obviously uh, a lot older than you. I, I have so much respect and admiration for you and, and your artistry and your commitment to yourself and um, gosh, I could say a million things about you, but I, I'm thrilled to be here and I hope I have something of at least interest or excitement or value to offer to all your millions of listeners, I hope. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Um, I'm really excited to have you here. Is is there anything that you want to add on to, to your experience before we jump into some specific questions, something that you want the listeners to know that I didn't well, cover? I was really excited to, to read the title of your podcast, The mm. Arts in Business. And um there are very few things that I feel like I have, uh, I, I, this is not false humility, but it, it really is. There's a, there's only a few things that I feel like I have really great, um, understanding of, or, you know, um, expertise in. And mm -hmm. I was, I moved to New York city 20 years ago, uh, and to be an actor. And I had a very successful career as an actor in New York city doing Broadway shows, um, traveling the world. I worked in Europe and Japan all over the United States. And, um, and then, uh, much like, you know, you read the bio, but then I transitioned my life into business mm. and, um, I've been in the business world for the last decade. Um, 
I guess 11 years, really. Yeah, 11, 11 and a half years. And, and so I thought, wow, how cool is that? That like, I actually feel like what you're kind of talking about here uh, is something that I am very interested in. And so I definitely have a, I know you have a lot of friends that are artists and actors and all kinds of different art, artists, you know, backgrounds. And so I thought that's super in my wheelhouse of uh, interest and excitement and, and all those other things. So I, I think I'd like to start there to say that, that, that this is certainly um, something that I'm interested in too. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I've as I've been kind of thinking about this this podcast and the theme of it, which for me really stems out of um, the, an MBA that I just completed in August. It was online, fully remote, and uh, thinking about my artistic background and and my arts practice and how little that showed up during that very formal education um, and incorporation. So it it was really kind of preparing for this podcast and thinking about who can I reach out to? Where are the other people that are thinking about the arts and business? And um, finding that there's so many people that I've already met, including you, that that have worked in this space. So it's really exciting um, to Am see Am I allowed to ask you there. questions too, Sebastian? Sure, of course. You can ask well, tell me questions. more about that. <laughs> so when you say you got your MBA uh, all remotely, and, and I think your quote, I wrote it down, as you said, very little of that showed up of your own artistic practice, I think you said. And what do you mean by that? Like, yeah, I mean, so the I mean, the MBA, I initially got into it because I just wanted to know how big businesses are run, how kind of more general economic terms and uh, what, what people are taught when because a lot of people who are in these large corporations have MBA degrees or you need it to advance. A lot of the strategy consultants come out of MBA programs and they're advising these large corporations on what you're supposed to do or how to work in, in societies and communities. So I was like, let me do that because I want to build my own business as well um, and and it's just it was all about growth there was a little bit about sustainability a little about a, bit, a little bit about corporate social responsibility but then it was about growth how to maximize processes how to create more efficiency and all of that is important obviously but the arts didn't show up much in in that conversation or in in the material that we were being taught or that I that I looked into so um, yeah that just it it kind of made me think of, I know I want to be in the business world, but I don't want to grow businesses to incredible profit, but I want to make sure that I have impact on businesses that are community oriented or that want to have that think about sustainability. So rather than just being profit driven, being people driven. So um, mm. I think the arts uh, are really important kind of connecting point or an anchor so to speak to create people-driven businesses or to be kind of drawn back to what does it mean to be people-driven or focused Ooh. wow that's very well said I, I certainly couldn't say it better and what i hear you say you talk about that um connection mm. it's funny as you were describing that experience i was thinking to myself oh i feel like what sebastian's looking for is to find this bridge and it's so mm -hmm. funny you said connection and immediately i was immediately picturing a bridge and that's how I think of you. I, I, as I recall, and I hope I'm allowed to say this, I recall back yeah. when you were working at a museum um, and, you know, you were even kind of bringing up these, this is three, four years ago, and you were already bringing up these kinds of questions to figure out like, well, how do I, how do I wrangle my artistic practice? These are my own words, not your words, by the way. I, yeah. I don't want to yeah. misinterpret any <laughs> feeling or thing you said many years ago, but I do recall this feeling of trying to go, well, how do I wrangle that within myself to be focused on people and focused in artistry while also having a acumen in business and understanding that you do need to run some semblance of a, of a fiscally responsible and, and keep a business open. Like, because if you can't keep a business running, 
uh, like nobody's going to see your art. You know, I know exactly. I mean, Broadway, we struggle this in the Broadway industry constantly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's that, I mean, I think by the time that this podcast episode is released, the article that I wrote about being an artist and trying to find a definition um, for that term, a lot of that um, harks back to our conversations and hashtag first class and conversations with you and Michael. Um, and I think that now the way I'm defining my personal artistic practice is is that bringing um, the arts into business settings. And that's the artistic practice that, practice that I'm engaging in. So practicing my own art forms of singing and, and thinking about theater and directing, but really actively thinking about how does that apply to, to business settings and how can I bring that into, co into corporations or the work that I'm doing with, with businesses. And um, so, yeah, so thank you for that, like pushing no, me into that or, or like helping guide me into that. Well, honestly, Sebastian, I, I, I hope the people that again are listening, watching this know that I mean this a hundred percent. I, I think, and I've always considered myself an educator and that's where I feel most comfortable. And, mm. and I, and I, I don't even know if it's, I guess it's comfort because a number one, I feel like I'm good at it and B that for, so from an ego perspective, I, I have to be honest about that and B I enjoy it. And I've, I've always loved young people. You know, I get energy from folks like you and, and you're, I mean, not that you're that young, you know, you're a full grown person, you know, <laughs> but, but younger than me, certainly. And mm. I think that I've more importantly than that, I, I, I've found folks like you, younger folks like you who are very inquisitive and smart and willing to take risks. And I've always thought, you know, I don't know that I have the skills to figure this out, but I have a belief that I can help others who probably do have the skills bring it out of themselves. And that's what I've always thought about you. I've always been like, I don't know that I figured this out, but I think Sebastian may be able to do it. I love that. And I think you're so great at that, really like being that catalyst and that almost like tracks that people can run on and, and like you, you give different paths. I think it's like that educator comes comes through and your your passion and, and the way how inspirational you are. It's really it's really amazing. Um, Thanks, brother. Thank you. All right. So I'll, I want to start with, I actually, I know I got this from you and Michael from hashtag first class, but, uh, class, but bringing a beverage and vessel of choice to this podcast, because I think that was a ritual that we had um, as we're going through the class. So what did you bring today and what is your beverage? My beverage is black coffee. Awesome. And then <laughs> I always, so uh, something else that you may or may not know about me is I always specifically pick out a coffee mug. I have different, I, I believe in the power of symbols. I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. um, and what they represent in your life. And uh, today the one I chose is life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Um, which that. is something that I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself of. And, and I drink the black coffee. And um, of course, I always have a bottle of water up on my desk, too. But, of course. but coffee, black coffee is my drink of choice. Amazing. Awesome. And I brought uh, a mixed berry tea because I've had a ton of coffee right before this. So I feel like I need to calm down a little bit. Um, and it's in a mug that says, I love uh, weekend because we're recording this episode on a Friday. So I thought it would be fitting to have something to usher in the weekend. <laughs> and, and what It must be what, like four or five o'clock in the afternoon for you? Uh, 4 p.m., yeah. 4 p.m., yeah. Yeah. See, a, yeah, no more coffee time. for you. It's four o'clock. Yep, no, it's done. It's done. I can't have any more. <laughs> uh, amazing. So you've already alluded to, uh, to what you were doing before that brings you into the artistic um, sensibility space. You were working as an actor for a long time. Um, but I want to ask, a, start with a very general question first. When you hear artistic sensibilities... What does that mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
you know, I, I, I discuss this and, and argue with our mutual friend Michael about this all the time. Hmm. Uh, we have that relationship where we break these kinds of things down and argue. So artistic sensibilities, I think I would define, if that's your question, different than what it is to be an artist. So yes. I don't necessarily define myself as an artist anymore, um, but I certainly have artistic sensibilities. And so I guess the way that I would describe an artistic sensibility is super helpful in business because it helps you, it forces you, if you have an artistic sensibility, the, the path isn't straightforward. You, you must uh, find things outside. It's not even finding things outside the box. It has to be, there's a willingness to create a new box. Um, and if you have an artistic sensibility, it means that not everything is uh, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's, um, well, here's a problem. And by the way, I, I sit on my desk. I have a rock here on my desk that says, mm. I don't know if I've showed you this before. It says problem. And on the other side, it says solution. And it's kind of like the four, four noble truths, I guess, right? Somewhat like that yeah. in, in Buddhism. But it's this yeah. idea that like, okay, there's a problem. And there may not be a straightforward answer, but I believe if you have an artistic sensibility that maybe there's a way to figure out a whole different path, but mm. there is a path to get there. Yeah. So I think that's what artistic sensibility means is this way to the, a willingness to create a new box, maybe. Amazing. Yeah, no, I like that. The willingness to create a new box. I think also it's important to really distinguish between that, the what you just kind of ask the difference between an artist and artistic sensibility and I really want to be intentional about framing this as artistic sensibilities because I think this term of artist is so can create a barrier for a lot of people a lot of people think well I'm not an artist but I think a lot of people have artistic sensibilities and or can build artistic sensibilities through engaging in artistic practices and um, that's what's important I think to really kind of give people that permission not to have that fear of, of well I'm not an artist I'm not kind of doing the things that an artist is supposed to do right I love that yeah so okay why do you think so number one on both sides of it why do you think it's important so if, if you're an artist I guess my question my first question is if you're an artist do you think it's important to define yourself as an artist what mm -hmm. do you think do you think it is like I mean, I, I I wrote about this, so I think it's it's up to you, honestly. Like for me, what I what I what I realized is, I mean, this is all identity politics in the end. But we can be whoever we want to be, whatever we want to be. If we want to be an artist and we want to call ourselves an artist, we can do that. Who is stopping you you from doing that? I think the we, we're getting so bogged down by what the society and community around us around us tells us about these terms and how they're supposed to be defined and what we're supposed to do. Um, but there's nothing holding us back to say, I'm an artist, I'm a business owner, I'm a, I'm an awesome human being, you know? Right, like, because who does it matter? So what I'm understanding mm -hmm. is, is what I hear from you is the inspiration to say, if it is helpful for you, then why not say it? Yeah. Right, because an artist, uh, it, in my opinion, is subjective. Right, it uh, is. Certainly, yeah. Right. Of course it is. Right. Like I, I might, I may think that you have a beautiful baritone singing voice, which you do. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe there's a, a semblance of objectivity there, but, um, 
but again, I, you've probably have certain voice teachers that thought your voice was great and others that thought it needed a lot of improvement in, in ways that some teachers didn't, right? Like, so there's still, even given the parameters of what an artist is, there's still subjectivity to it, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. there are certain art, like uh, visual artists or, or fine artists that I am inspired by or like or connect to more than others. And some of those other people, people think they're brilliant. So, you know, yeah. what the heck? Yeah, exactly. There's lots, of, there's lots of music I don't like, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that it, yeah, and, and breaking it down into our, just saying artistic sensibilities, I think takes that, I don't know, to me, an artist always seemed so big, so like grand, um, which it isn't really if you break it down uh, and you look, just you meet artists and you're like, okay, no, they're all just human beings. But I think still for people who are not as, ingrained or involved in the arts that an artist can seem so far removed and so i think this artistic sensibilities we be all engage with art we drew as children we we doodle or we sing or we hum or we listen to music so i think an intentional engagement with that kind of art can build those sensibilities that i'm hoping to kind of define and bring out a little bit I love that. Am I allowed to give one more thought on this i know you have a, yes of uh, course a, a I, I, I would love all your thoughts uh, <laughs> I've found so whenever I first founded congregation coaching, hmm. I what I, what was happening, what I was seeing again. This is only my personal experience. I'm sure there's data to prove that I'm wrong in some way. I don't know, which is fine. <laughs> um, but what I saw was a lot of my friends who were artists, right? Who were let's let's say Broadway artists that yeah. tended to be a lot of my friends. They were really struggling because they got to a certain age in life where they felt like they were done with their careers where they had had careers as artists or they had been mm. striving for careers of artists. And then they were say, you know, 35 to 40 years old. And they thought, well, I want to do something else or find a sustainable career in something else. But they were really struggling with the kind of what you could define as identity politics of saying, mm. Oh, but now I have to let go of being an artist. And our hope when we created the program was to say, no, 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 you don't have to let go of being an artist. I'm just here to teach you how to, you can be whatever you want to be, but I'm going to train, I'm going to hopefully teach you how to become a business person of, uh, uh, as well. But that doesn't mean actually your artistry is going to help you in your new career. That yeah. having, or as, as Sebastian describes it, as you describe it, is having this artistic sensibility. Yeah. And if you still want to define yourself as an artist, that's great. You could go to a job interview, you could say, I'm an artist, but I'm yeah. an artist that has these sets of skills that maybe you don't have at your business that is going to be able to help you do these other things. So uh, anyway, I know that's a long. No, but answer. I think, I think that's exactly the point. I mean, another word for sensibilities would be skills, but part of what I'm hoping to do with a podcast and, and I will ask you this question definitely towards the end is, is like, what, what are the skills or how can, how as an, how can we teach artists to speak about those sensibilities that they have through their training um, to someone else to help them translate it or to help them understand, to help a business owner understand as an actor, I can do X, Y, Z for you. And I'm not just an actor who learns lines and, and portrays a character, but what does it actually mean to have to portray a character? What are the, the sensibilities that you get from that acting training, from opening yourself up, for, from being present in the moment? You know, all of these nuances that come, come with engaging in, in the craft. I think it's so important to develop just just talk about the language that we can use to create mutual understanding. 
I agree a hundred percent. And I could either answer some of the things I think now, or I think you said you wanted to bring it up later. So yeah. I just wrote like five things down that I have thoughts on that. Good, good. Um, I want to, I want to start with maybe going through your journey a little bit, because you were saying um, you're not an artist anymore. I think if I, if I heard that right, you worked as an actor for a long time. Um, what was that? What was that moment of transition like? Or, or how did that happen? Why are you, why are you not describing yourself as an mm. artist anymore? Can we get a therapist on this call as well so that they can <laughs> so they can moderate this? I, I don't know. I think maybe I had hangups about this. This is, mm. again, I want to be honest with your friends and family that listen to this. I, I, perhaps I had a hangup about it, right? I think mm. that in my mind, I was seeing myself and a lot of friends around me that were in, by the way, I had a very successful career as an actor. I mean, relatively speaking, right? Yeah, no, um, you, you were great. Also, I saw your... Um, the, your your performance on the music video Gideon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, listeners who want to look into it <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll put it in the show notes please do they, they, they won't notice by the way i look now with a shaved head and and that was 13 14 years ago you know um but i i think that for me i um i don't know i always felt lucky as an actor that i was getting jobs and i have to be honest about some of the reasons i was getting them i I'm six foot one. I know you're very tall and, and yeah. striking too, but I was six one. I was in great shape. Mm-hmm. I could dance a little and sing a little. And uh, I was able to get jobs, you know, and I, I was good enough, but I wasn't great. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, I was good, really good. And so I think that the transition was quite easy for me because I, my body, I knew that like I was dancing a lot and I knew that, you know, maybe I had a couple of years left in me and, but, my knees were always hurting and my back was always hurting. And I thought, eh. And then I thought, well, what do I want? I really had to challenge myself to ask what I wanted, you know. And so long story short, I got the opportunity all within the same six-month period to um, to teach college. I was 33 years old when I got that opportunity. Um, I was walking down the street of Manhattan. I think you'll like this story. I was walking in the neighborhood of Chelsea on 8th Avenue. I run into this guy on the street who I had worked with, who had directed and choreographed me in a show almost 10 years, no, 10 years previous to that. And I hadn't seen him since. And it turned out that he was the head of the dance department at a college in New York. So I run into him on the street. And again, the story's going too long, but I run into him on the street. He's like, what have you been up to? He's like, I think I saw that you were doing this. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. Things have been great for you. And we connected. And I was like, great to see you too. And he goes, well, why don't you come out and teach a master class to my students? That'd be really good for them. He's like, I'll pay, you know, he's like, I'll, we'll work out the details, but you know, I'll pay a couple hundred bucks and you can come teach a class. I was like, oh, that'd be so fun. So I went out there and I taught this class and I knew it went really well. It was a lot of fun. It was just, you know, 90 minutes or something. And then he said, he goes, that was so great. Why don't you come again in uh, three weeks? Come do it again and, and teach something else. And I said, okay. Now, at the same time, um, I was still an actor. So I was um, doing a lot of commercials, like TV commercials. Um, I was also working at a restaurant. Um, and then a friend of mine named Mark Fisher, if that name sounds familiar from my bio, came to me and said, what do you think about getting into the fitness, the fitness business? I was always somebody that's in shape and always worked out really hard and stuff like this. And I said, okay, well, let me think about it. Well, long story short, um, I say, so 
I go back the second time to teach at this school, this master class. And then he goes, and then this guy goes, um, hey, come back in my office and talk to me. And I go, okay. And he said, well, actually, I brought you back because the first class was so great that he said, we have a job open for a professor next year, and I want to offer it to you for a year-long contract. And right then and there, I was like, terrified. I mean, I was like, terrified. I go, and then I said, okay, um, on the spot. And so then I spent all summer like going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I prepared for it. Everything just like, oh my God. Now at the same time, like it just so many things happen. It's just crazy. So anyway, so that summer happens. We, then we decide to go, I decided to go into the fitness business. We open a business. I teach school for a year and I'm doing all these things at the same time. I start this business. I'm teaching college where, um, I'm bartending and I'm, uh, doing commercials. So I was, I had four jobs at the same time. And then about three months later, I realized, oh, this business is really going to go somewhere. I quit my job at the restaurant and, and then I kind of quit being in commercials mostly. And then, so I was just working in the, the fitness business, getting that started and then teaching college, which was great. So that, that's kind of how all that happened. But the question that you actually asked was the transition of more, what I'm hearing is more of the emotional thing. Well, what happened for me was I started teaching it and I, I think for me, I needed to have a certain level of success in my career to be okay stepping away from it. And I acknowledge that that is my own ego speaking. I'm aware of that. I can look back and go, that's true. Like, I think that if I would not have had a relatively successful career as an actor, I would have really struggled going into other things. But I think I was able to say, you know what? I did it. There are commercials that we can find. I've been in them. I've, I've traveled the world as an actor. And the second that I walked, this is true. The second that I walked in to the classroom, the first class I ever taught ended, the first official class ended. I go, I looked in the mirror and I swear this is true, Sebastian. I'll never forget it. I said, Oh fuck. I finally found something that I'm great at. And because before I'd felt, I'd felt good at things and I could compete at things. But I, and I, and again, I recognize this is all ego, but I, I, I looked at it and I thought, wow, this is the first time after 90 minutes of a class that I am exceptional at something. I've been average at most things in my life, but I, but this is the moment that I said I'm exceptional. So that is why I was able to transition out of being an artist. Cause I said, I could teach it. I've been there. I've done it. I can do it. Uh, and then I was running a business that also required me to teach a lot, whether I was teaching as a trainer or whether I was teaching our staff, how to, how to get into sales or whatever I was doing. I felt like I was in a role of like a mentor, teacher, educator, communicator, all those things. And I said, I can let go of my artist identity, identity while having all those artistic sensibilities that led me to success in my other things. So what are, what are those sensibilities that, um, that you took away from from being an artist into this new moment of of finding your your passion or or however you want to call it finding finding that what you're really exceptional at. So I'm gonna. It's so funny that you use that word because right when you asked the question, I wrote the word passion down, yeah. and I think that's the first word. I I think that if you're going to be successful as an artist, man, you better have passion for it. Because it's going it, to, it's for most people, it's going to be hard. And I also think that like, it's not to say that every single project you're going to have passion for, 
but maybe it's a passion for the process. Maybe it's a passion for some part of it, I, I believe, right? Um, I also believe that that's mostly true for things in life. So anyway, so let's start there. I, I believe that that's what it takes. So here's some of the skills, right? If that's your question. What are actors great at? Listening. We can listen. You're taught to listen. If you're a singer, you better listen to the piano, right? You, you better, there's a, I think of musicality in life. You and I are in a conversation right now and a great podcast host, which you're doing a great job so far is you're actually listening to the things that I'm saying. I know you are, you know, like, of course you are. You're trained in that, that, that it's a, it's amazing that in the business world, that's not where people are just now starting to accept that as a skill that is required in business. But, th but artists in that, in a way that kind of sucks because that's been a way that we artists or artistic sensibility folks have been able to get ourselves into the business world. As we say, we're exceptional listeners. So that's a great one. If you're putting up a show or an opera or anything like that, let's say you're uh, that kind of artist. You're also a great teammate, right? You understand that if you're on stage, that there are a million crew people, that there are light, sound, sets, costumes, makeup, hair, directors, choreographers, um, or, you know, orchestrators. Like, I mean, there's a million things that it takes and it takes a team. And when you have a great show, yeah, I mean, you could have a great, you know, opera written by Mozart. And the music's beautiful, but if your team sucks, you're going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think some other things are structure. Mm. You know you know how I feel about this. Tell me, tell me more about structure. I'd love well, to like, hear more about that. I think structure and habits are kind of the same thing. And I think if you're a really good artist... So my mentor is a guy named Stephen Pressfield who wrote, to me, the greatest book on like kind of... Uh, artistic psychology called the war of art and if anybody who's listening to this yeah. hasn't read it you got to read it right you know you have to it's amazing it's I'll, amazing I'll put, I'll put a link to it in the in the show notes as well and sebastian i've read it i, I swear this is not hyperbole i've read it 25 times i read it twice a wow. year wow. i read it twice a year and i just go through it because it gets me back in that mindset of here's stephen pressfield a massively successful uh, author uh, has written screenplays and all these things and, but what does he focus on? He focuses on structure and habits. He said, if you're a writer, your job is to write. The hardest thing you will ever do is sit in front of a blank piece of paper. So what do you do? You force yourself, you put it in your schedule, and you sit in front of a blank piece of paper and you say, I'm not leaving this room until I type the words, the end. Like, there is no other way to be a writer. If you're going to write a piece of music... You can think it in your head, sure, like the most brilliant composers of all time. It's possible that Mozart thought of the notes and had them in his head. But until he sat down and played them on the piano or wrote them on this piece of paper, they didn't exist, you know, in that way, in a, in a tangible way. So I believe that what artists at their best can do is to say, what do I take? Well, if you're going to learn your lines, you have to have some sort of structure to learn your lines. My wife is still a Broadway dancer, and she has basically like a uh, – this is not a joke. She has a like a uh, – uh, photographic memory where she can just see things and remember them like immediately. It's unbelievable. I'm not like that at all. It takes me hours and hours and hours to be like, if I were directing a play, I would have to sit down and be like, like completely structured every 
step down. Now, I may change it and adapt it over time, but I believe that's the editing process. I believe that you need structure. So um, that so structure and habits to me are things that artists are great at. Like if you play a musical instrument, I forget. Do you play musical instruments or just your voice? No, just my voice. Yeah, just your voice. You but you've been around great musical instrument players, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, if you're a great clarinet player, all the pe- I grew up with some people that went on to college and professional careers and uh, musical instruments. They practice hours every day, and. There's no way that that can't help you as a business person. Of course it does. If you know that that's what it takes to create a successful, sustainable business career is the idea that you're sitting in a chair and you're not going to leave it until you get better that day. Or, And you know, a great singer may have to sing the same arpeggio a hundred times and rehearse it in a row before you have it right. Yeah, and, and you, so, you anyway, do the so, same thing. Yeah, same thing over and over and over again until you nail it. That's it. And then you might not even nail it in a performance, but you and nail it at home in your own little thing. <laughs> well, there you go. And then let's get into this. What is the yeah. number one skill that all artists have that that business people need to have is failure. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. are great failures. Yeah. Because and we have overcoming to be. that. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's it, right? Like it's it's like um, it's it's to me that that is my biggest thing. Like. I have failed so many times, 99.9 out of a hundred times. I fail as an actor. I went to, I couldn't even come close to counting to the, the number of auditions I went to as an actor every day, three or four auditions a day, right? Sometimes. And I got told no every time. So this idea that I deserve something because I just showed up for it. I mean, first of all, most people won't show up anymore. Right. Because they get terrified and they get scared and they they hate losing. And then I go, OK, well, I used to teach my students, I'd say, expect one out of one hundred and fifty jobs. So until you've auditioned one hundred and fifty times and not gotten any positive feedback, I don't want to hear your complaints. Yeah. So learn to fail. Yeah. So just keep failing. It's a numbers game. So just keep failing. Exactly. Start 150 businesses. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I keep telling. Whenever I get into this mindset of like starting the podcast, starting my own business, I'm like, you know, and I get into a moment where I know I feel like I'm dragging it out. I'm dragging out the moment of taking action. I'm like, no, you just got to do a little tiny thing. If you fail, you fail. That's fine. And you try again, you know, reach out to one person. If they don't respond, reach out to the next person or find find a find a platform to sign up on on where you want to record the podcast or something like do something and and i keep reminding myself of that so many times of just taking action and the more the more often you do something eventually it'll work out it always does so let's let's break that down if you don't mind okay so let's let's think back at this there's a word that stephen pressfield uses in the war of art what Mm -hmm. is it what is it what does he say? Oh, Do you remember? I, I, I think the last time I read the book was two years ago. I'm going to okay. go back to it now, but yeah. So he, he defines what you talk about very specifically. He says that's called resistance. Oh, yeah. Defined, resistance. Mm-hmm. Resistance. It's all resistance. Of course yeah. it is. It's yeah. that thing that says, ah, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And what you're talking about is the opposite of resistance. It's baby mm-hmm. steps and taking action. The only way to defeat the dragon, he defines it as this d- dragon of resistance that is always going to be every artist or entrepreneur. He he actually, this is why Pressfield's the greatest is because he defines entrepreneurs as artists. He says we're yeah. all the same. Yeah. 
right? He exactly. says, and, and I mean, I'm getting so excited now, but he literally says it was easier for Adolf Hitler to start World War II than it was for Adolf Hitler to sit in front of a, of a um, piece of paper and paint a picture. Because Hitler, mm-hmm. as we all know famously, was wanted to be an artist. And yeah. he said it was easier for this awful dictator to start a war than it was for him to finish a painting. That's how yeah. hard war is. Or yeah. that's how art. hard yeah. art is. Yeah. And, and, and if you look, and uh, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's awful, but it's true. And, and starting a business is the same. It's the same thing as saying, what did you say? Like, oh, is my podcast going to be bad? I don't know. The, what if my, the, what if uh, you're using Riverside to record? What if mm-hmm, Riverside mm-hmm. isn't as good as QuickTime? Or what if Zoom isn't as good as this? And we, we, all these things are resistance instead of just going, what you've done, luckily, is to say, it doesn't matter if it's perfect. Do something. And if it doesn't work, then I'll try something else, which is in reality... what needs to happen yeah yeah and that is what art is in the end or in the process a constant process of creation and and doing it again and again and and again and and taking action it's not just thinking A, a writer writes i mean if when i write i write most of it in my head first but like you said it doesn't exist until it's on a page as a singer if i don't sing i'm there's nothing. Yeah, it's you have to do it in order for it to to exist. If if you're not dancing, if you're not acting, you're just doing it for yourself. And I think part of part of the enjoyment of being an artist too is is the sharing it with other people, or sharing yourself or or someone else's words with other people, like you're doing with Stephen Pressfield and and his writing and how passionate you are about it. It's sharing it with others and and spreading that message. Well, and, and think about it this way, Sebastian, how many of even your friends, right? And like I said, mm. you know, you're, you've been around and you've got degrees and you've studied all over the world and you're one of the most traveled persons I've ever known. You've mm. lived everywhere. You've traveled everywhere. Thanks. You've met tons of people. It's amazing. I mean, you're a remarkable guy. And think of how many people you even personally know that had that thing inside of them that could have been brilliant, that they were too scared to finish. Think of all the operas. Think of all the books. Think of all of the, uh, all of the songs. I mean, I could cry thinking about it. That the dragon of resistance defeated them. And no, of course, they're probably not going to be Mozart because nobody else has ever been Mozart. And we can almost all agree is the greatest composer of all time. I mean, I talk about Mozart a lot. I'm a yes. huge Mozart fan. But like, you know, it's kind of hard not to think that, you know, at yeah. least on some level, right? And we go, well, yes, A, he's the greatest. And B, he was willing to put it down on paper. And it's certainly easy to even people that don't love Mozart to go, ah, oh, well, Mozart wasn't the greatest. He da 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 I, you know, because some part of them go is ashamed, in my opinion, that they never sat down to do it. Yeah. So if you're if you don't think Mozart's the greatest, then you write the next score you write the next opera you write the next then show up and do it exactly yeah and, yeah you know I, and I maybe know. to to the listeners do this exercise think about all of the people you may meet or you've met the things that have been written and i would say be reminded that it's not too late you know we can always start again or try again it's not just because you gave up on something at a moment in your life it's not too late to do it to try again one of the saddest stories of all time is on one of the most famous American books of all time. Mm. The, um, there's a famous book called um, Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy O'Toole. Do you know of this book? I have never heard of that book. It's, it's a super, super famous book. Okay. Um, 
fascinating read. Actually, it's it's beautiful. It's brilliant. John Cadillo Tool was massively, um, and I don't say this lightly at all, was had a lot of emotional problems and really struggled and um, had this manuscript, wrote this book, and as I remember, recall, committed suicide. And um, I want to say it was his mother found this manuscript, his book, in his bedroom, you know, after he was dead. And got it published, and it's gone on to be one of the most successful books ever written, one of the most successful pieces of fiction ever released in the United States. And so I, and again, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a um, expert on John Kennedy O'Toole or or mental health, by the way. But I do believe that there's that part of that story that I'm sure is like, you know, there's other stories like that, right? Where they, you know, it was so hard he never turned this in. He never did it, you know, and then, and then his mother did and it becomes massively successful. It's just fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating. I think, I mean, I'm always reminded by we, we're inundated with having to reach millions of people or we see videos on social media that hundreds of thousands have reached. And so we, we tend to compare ourselves to, to those numbers and then, and that, that can create so much resistance to, to say, well, I'm just going to put out this one piece of content. Who is going to see it? Like maybe 10 people. And then you feel it's easy to feel defeated. But the reality is maybe those 10 people take something really important and valuable for themselves from that, that they carry on in their lives. And through that, you reach so many other people. I mean, talking about the ripple effect, but I, reminding ourselves that continuous creation or um, continuous engagement and what you're passionate about will eventually, again, the numbers game will eventually lead to something bigger. If that's what you, what you're looking for. I do. And I, I want to go back and I agree with you a hundred percent golly. And number one, comparison is the thief of joy, but we all do it right. There's both sides to the coin. Two things can be true at the same time. Number one, it's natural to compare yourself to others. Number two, we can all also admit that the more that we do that, it's taking away our own joy because it, it, you know, it, it's just impossible to do that because you're right. We live in a world where we see all these things, but all those things aren't real. They're edited. They are inflated. They are paid for all these things, you know, like it's all okay. And I also am a huge believer in the, whether you call it the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, whatever. So Last night, I get this message from Sebastian that says, Brian, a very kind message, and you sent me a WhatsApp, and, and you said, uh, you know, I want you to come be on this podcast. It immediately made me feel good, right? I immediately thought, wow, Sebastian thinks I might have something to say, and he might have an enjoyable conversation with me. And so, looking back on it, I go, okay. I remember my wife came home from teaching right after that, and I was nice to her. And Maybe. I like said, you know, oh, you look beautiful tonight, honey, or something, you know, whatever it was. And we had a lovely moment together. And I woke up this morning and I was in a great mood. I got, I, I went to work out and the whole time I was working out at six o'clock in the morning because I had to get out of the house and get back before my kids woke up. I thought to myself, I'm so excited for the way I'm going to start my day. So while Sebastian is a one singular human reached out to me and we've known each other for years and just said, I it thinks that he's doing, that I'm doing him a favor. But I actually really like Sebastian and I'm excited to do this because it's fun for me to say, oh, I can put this in the workflow of my day. So no, you're not just making one person happy. We're actually both making each other happy, which then I'm in a good mood. So I'm, I'm 
being extra nice to my wife and my kids who are then going to go into their interactions with that feeling. So I do believe in that. And there's nothing that can convince me that that's not how it works. If somebody smiles at me at the grocery store, I smile back. Yeah. And I believe in that, you know, so I, I do yeah. believe that, that what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of, at least for me, and maybe it's the same for you, part of that is stems from, from acting and from just engaging with the theater arts to you're in a room with so many people and, and you've, done the actor route of auditioning 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 you, you cannot compare yourself to to everyone who's always in the space or you, you will not go to an audition again or you you won't kind of go on that journey of self-exploration so the 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 resilience maybe in, instead of the resistance the resilience i think is is really born out of out of that too resilience is everything and by the way the other great thing to think of is as an artist think about this what makes a great story? Not that I got from one to a hundred in, in like this, but every great story, every great opera, every great whatever has the same thing. We start, we fail, and we find a way to be resilient and pick ourselves up. That's the same way with business. That's yeah, Apple. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, come on, that's what Apple, this is what Steve Jobs did. Like, come on. This, so I would ask, and again, I'm looking in the mirror right now, those moments where we feel at our lowest, we go, well, how is this going to be my defining moment? You know, when I, when they, I used to do an exercise and I used to have people write their autobiographies, you know, uh, in, in, in congregation coaching and other things. And I would say, you know, where is this in your story that you're writing? If you're writing a biography, an autobiography on your deathbed or something, where, what chapter is this? And then what happens right after this? Like, where do you go to after this? So people, you know, you could, people could judge that exercise and think it's hokey, but it's not hokey to me at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. I think you, you, like, you have to, you have to imagine that moment of, of lowness in your own story and believing and find the strength and believe that something, it might be hard now, but something good will come out of it or will come after it. A hundred percent. You have to believe it. And then you have to, uh, what, what is the, uh, what is my, my friend Geisha uh, Damcho used to say, uh, I know, you, you know Geisha, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, was it the Dalai Lama that said, um, definitely pray, but pray while your feet are moving. Yeah. So this yeah. idea is like, yeah, we, we want to pray. Praying's a great thing, whatever religion you believe in, right? Or even if you just think of it as sending positive vibes into the world. Cool, that's cool with me. But do it while your hands are working or while your feet are working. In other words, take action. Yeah, exactly, you know? take action. Um, and maybe on that, since I know we're coming up on time already, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are what are actions that founders and leaders can take to encourage artistic sensibilities in their business settings? Oh, wow. That might be a better question. All right, I'm going to make a metaphor for you and follow yeah, I love me. that. So, I love metaphors. So I used to be in the fitness industry and uh, for a long time, and I, I did pretty well over there. And I used to say that, and I believe this, I used to say that bodybuilders need to do yoga and yogis need to bodybuild. And so I believe that what you're asking, the question is in those two things. I think it's helpful for artists to, if you want to get into business, to be able to do, have all those artistic sensibilities and bring those into the business workplace, but also ask yourself, where are my, where are my shortcomings as a quote unquote stereotypical business person? And vice versa, I think that business people 
need to do the same because I don't believe, and again, this is my personal belief system and you may disagree. And actually I encourage you to disagree if you have a good argument, but I believe that we tend to be in the world this or that, and we struggle to find a gray middle of this bridge, which I believe you have the possibility to do. So what do I mean by that? I believe that artists can be, what are great things about us? We're emotional, where it can be intense, we can be passion-filled, and I believe that's awesome, but it can go too far, right? So I go, how can we use that to the point of which it's helpful and not to the point at which it's hurtful? Whereas business people can be cut and dry, could be lack of feeling, unempathetic, right? So art is massively vulnerable, right? But we could all agree that like, I think we could all agree that in every single business setting, we don't all need to sit around and talk about our feelings all day long and talk about and sit around and cry. That's probably not very useful. And by the way, I have been in those meetings where that happens in business. And it tends to be for my friends and I who started our lives as artists. But we can also agree that business folks don't need to be cold-hearted if you go to them and you say, hey, my wife is sick and on her deathbed. We don't need to go, but what's our bottom line of how much money we made this month? We can. I believe that the, the point is we can take artists and business folks, and by working together, we can all agree that we can all come each other's way a little bit. And and to me, that's the bridge. That That's what it is. It doesn't mean that a yogi becomes a bodybuilder. It means that they're willing to train like one to see what it's like to have that shared experience. It means that a bodybuilder is willing to go to a yoga class from time to time and feel what is that like? What is that experience like? It's the same thing. It's why business people need to go to see Broadway shows. Because by the way, guess who supports art? Wealthy people support art. So we need to be able to speak to each other, you know? Uh, there's so much more I would want to talk about. Maybe I'll bring you on in another episode because I, I would, <laughs> I would love to like a couple of months down the road. I'll, I'll send you another message to be on the podcast. There's so much. I think there's like the, your experience with congregation coaching, now working as a mentor too. It, I think there's so much more to dig into. But before we end this recording, my last question, um, maybe a more personal one too, is um, it's all been personal. But w what are your next big milestones? In, in life that you're setting yourself and, and what intentions are you setting for them? Okay. So just this week, I mean, this all, I, I don't know. Maybe this is the power of attraction. This all came apart. This, uh, I haven't recorded a podcast episode um, with friends or anybody, probably in like three or four months, which usually I'll jump on somebody's podcast from time to time. Um, but just this week, I was really missing a few years ago, I would do a WordPress blog and, um, and I really liked it. I'd, I'd write it like once a month. And so I was like, Oh my God, I'm really missing that. And I'm, I like to wake up early four fifteen, four thirty in the morning, have some alone time, drink a cup of coffee, get up before my family, before I go work out and stuff. And I used to have that great habit of, of writing stuff down and I'm not a particularly great writer. I just liked it. You know, it just made me feel good. And I used to have a lot of ideas come out of that. You know, that's how congregation formed is I'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning and just start writing. And anyway, long story short, I tried to find my old blog and I found it, but I couldn't get figure out how to log into it because it was some old email address that I don't use anymore. So I thought, oh, and to your point earlier in the episode today, I said, well, how can I just start something? Because I want to get something out there. I was like, oh, I, I've heard of Substack. I've never used it. So I just logged into Substack and I was like, I'm going to write a blog post. And I'm going to send it to 15 friends. And now I'm going to put you on the list, by the way. Oh, yes. Please. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I, so I started and I don't really even know how to use it yet. And maybe I'll use it differently over time. But literally two days ago, 
I wrote my first blog post and I didn't even know that Substack has a thing where you can record like a little podcast on Substack that you can also send out and schedule. And so I recorded like an eight minute little thing. And so here's my intention with it. That was your question. I am interested. I, I kind of like don't love social media. Like I'm not, I don't feel genuine on Instagram. And so I kind of got off there and I'm mostly on Twitter, just kind of follow some sports stuff, frankly, that or maybe some like the New York times. And I still, you know, and I just don't engage the way I used to. And so, and I, and Facebook, I'm just not really on it much. You know, I just kind of, whatever. I'm just, I'm just not really into the social media thing. And, and again, it's all good for people that are, I'm not, I'm not judging or anything, but I thought, okay, if I were to create content that I liked for me, what would that be? And I, th- I thought, what am I, what, what's interesting about me right now that maybe my family or friends or people might find interesting? I thought that I'm kind of just like a normal-ish 44-year-old dad with two kids and a wife that I kind of work like three jobs at the same time. Like I have my full-time job, but I also like sell real estate on the side. And I also, by the way, I didn't even talk about this. I actually am directing and choreographing a community theater production in the small town I live in now for the first time in 10 years. Wow! So that's been really like, so I'm doing like all these things at the same time while trying to have space for my family, while trying to have space for my friends. And what I want to do is, is, is create like a really simple kind of blog or a really simple kind of podcast where I'm not really... I've always been in like teacher, mentor, educator, coach kind of role, but more, I just want to say, what can I do that is just kind of, here's my day. Maybe there's a little humor to it. Maybe it's a little serious from time to time, but it's not overly vulnerable. It's not just like, holy crap, my life is so hard. Like, no, it's not that, but it's also not fake. It's just kind of like, this is what it's like when you're a straight up adult. Like, this is what it is. And sometimes it's funny. And sometimes it's like, insane. And, um, and and so I'm just kind of interested to see what that plays out as, because I'm sure it'll lead to something. I just don't know what. And and so I've just committed this week that I'm going to do that again. And I've already done it. And I, my first episode, my first, uh, you know, kind of post, I literally sent to like 10 people because I was just like, I'm starting this thing. And so now it's going to be 11 because I'm going to send it to Sebastian and then let him link it in his notes or whatever. I will. I will. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and where can people learn more about you? LinkedIn, the Substack? Yeah, I guess LinkedIn is a good place for now. Mm-hmm. I, that's a great question. I mean, I definitely am on Twitter. Um, mm. I don't even know what my Twitter name is. Just look up Brian Patrick Murphy. I think it's B underscore P underscore Murphy, I think. Okay. Um, uh, I'll find but, it. I'll um, link it. In the yeah, show yeah. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just kind of, I'm really trying to feel like, uh, figure out where I fit in in the um, social media landscape right now i'm i'm not sure but yeah same but i, I think could, it's I could be constant right? yeah, you, yeah. yeah it's a constant kind of exploration of where, where do we go where, where where do i feel my most authentic self be me that yeah yes that's the question yeah <laughs> if you figure it out before i do send it to me and let me know uh, you know if any of the listeners have figured it out let us know Well, sebastian i will say just lastly is that um i think these kinds of conversations is where i feel most genuine yeah yeah, because it's grayer, it's context. Yeah, it is. You know? It is. It's true. It's a long form content. You can elaborate. You can. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. It was awesome to have this conversation with you. It was amazing. I'm, I'm so glad that, that you said yes and we got to talk. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Arts in Business. Episodes are being released weekly, so make sure to follow or subscribe. I hope you have a great week ahead of you. Oh,